to the Impossible Archive. if I read out loud from uh, today's paper. Not the whole thing, of course. Just kind of skimming. What do we got here? The Troy Sentinel, December 23rd, 1823. Edited by O.L. Hawley, printed and published on Tuesdays and Fridays by William S. Parker, terms $4 per annum. Honey, 30 kegs, 12 to 16 pounds each, strained honey of a superior quality for table use, for sale by G. Corning and Company. Buffalo robes. Lockwood and Redfield have just received an offer for sale by the bale or otherwise, 300 fine dark northwest buffalo robes. Also, they intend to keep constantly on hand an assortment of first, second, and third quality cotton bats. Winter goods. Silliman and Grant have just received an offer for sale, a general assortment of groceries, among which are the following. 30 hogsheads of St. Croix and Antigua rum. 30 hogsheads of molasses. Mm, let me see. 10 barrels of Philadelphia lump sugar. 60 bags of shot. 15 kegs of powder. 30 bags of coffee, pepper, and pimento. 25 chests of Hyson skin tea, 40 sacks of blown salt, 5 pipes of cognac brandy, 40 boxes of Digby and common herrings, 15 barrels of number one mackerel, 60 boxes of 7x9 and 8x10 glass, 20 boxes of shaving soap. New store opposite Whipple's and near Thomas White and Company's uh, Phelps and Wynn offer for sale St. Croix rum, brandy, gin, sugars and tea, wines, and groceries of all descriptions by the hogshead or otherwise at the New York prices. Um, 20 bags of shot, English double battle powder, codfish, herring, and mackerel, 1,000 bushels of salt. They take this opportunity of informing the public and northern and eastern merchants that they have two as safe sloops for freighting merchandise of any description or grain as any that sails from this city. They are purchasing all kinds of country produce for which cash will be paid or exchanged for goods. For sale carding machine and fulling mill, 
With all the buildings and machinery necessary, situate between Lansingburg and the city of Troy, which will be sold low for cash or short credit. For further particulars, inquire of William W. Whipple in Troy, or of the subscriber near the premises, Abraham Wynn. Saws! Just received from Philadelphia, a very extensive assortment of Rollins Mill cross-cut and wood saws, which will be sold at the lowest New York prices for cash or approved credit by A&W Kellogg and Company. Those who have any claims against the estate of Eli Burrett, deceased, and those who are indebted to the same are requested to call and settle with executors Jedediah Tracy, Gurdon Corning, um, and Amethyst Robbins, and executrix Mabel Barrett. Cotton and Bengal Indigo, New Orleans Upland and Alabama Cotton, one case first quality Bengal Indigo just received and for sale by Jacob Merritt and Company. New books just received for sale at the Troy Bookstore, Sign of the Bible by William S. Parker. Hodgson's Letters from North America in the years 1819, 1820, and 1821, just from the press. Baker's Livia, six volumes. Wirt's Life of Henry, Life of Reverend Thomas Scott. Milner's Church History, five volumes. Goldsmith's Poems, elegant edition with plates. Goldsmith's Citizen of the World two volumes. Cooper's Surgery, two volumes. Day's Algebra. Kames's Elements, Playfair's Euclid. Douglas's Hints on Missions, Woodbridge's Geography, Atlas Plain, and Colored. Dow's Bible Questions for Schools. Goodrich's History of the United States. Blair's Grammar of Philosophy. Fisher's Catechism, etc. Old Ulster Forever, She Shells Well, a field of corn in Ulster owned by Matthew Oliver in Marbletown, yielded one bushel, 22 quarts of ears to the rod, making one bushel, nine quarts, and one gill of shelled corn, which is somewhat more than 205 bushels of shelled corn to the acre. We received a catalog comprising the officers and students of Middlebury College. Um, the course of study is judiciously arranged and sufficiently extensive if it be faithfully pursued for the institution of the pupils in all the great branches of good learning. In addition to the daily recitations, there is a course of lectures on experimental philosophy for the senior and junior classes, one on natural and revealed religion for all classes, one on philology and classical literature, one on chemistry for the senior and junior classes, one on mineralogy, and the German language is also taught to such as wish to acquire it, though it is not part of the classical course. There are two examinations of the whole college twice a year, and there is an exhibition for each of the three upper classes once a year. The expenses of the institution are very moderate. Tuition is $20 a year, 
Room rent $6, and there's a charge for repairs and other incidental expenses of $6, making the college charges um, only $32 a year. The students board in private families, but they obtain board for $1 to $1.50 a week. As a precaution against prodigality, the faculty recommend that students from a distance should be placed under the particular guardianship of some person in Middlebury who will attend to his expenses and his habits. Um, to be admitted to the freshman class, the candidate must be thoroughly acquainted with the grammar of the Latin and Greek languages and be able to construe and parse any portion of the following books, Virgil, the Greek Testament, Cicero's Select Orations, and Dalzell's Clectania Greco Minora. He must likewise be able to translate English into Latin correctly and possess a knowledge of geography and arithmetic, including vulgar and decimal fractions with the doctrine of roots and powers. The Messrs. Schuylers now have in their possession on their farm in the south part of the city a pig of the grass breed, three years old, which weighed on Friday last at the scales of Mr. H. Swartout, S-W-A-R-T-W-O-U-T, Swartout, 1,232 pounds. Gosh. He measures 9 feet in length, 2 feet 5 inches across the back, and round the girth, 7 feet 2 inches. Extraordinary productions of this description should be noticed in order to invite competition. If not sold this winter, this pig will be sent to New York in the spring. The legislature of New Jersey have adjourned. Bills are passed, granting a bank at Hoboken, a majority of the directors to be manufacturers, reducing the rate of interest to 6% after the 4th of July next, uh, to abolish imprisonment for debt in certain cases, to incorporate the Orange and Sussex Canal Company, and to annul six marriage contracts. A letter from Santiago, Cuba, dated October 25th and received at Kingston, Jamaica, states that two vessels had arrived there from Havana with $47,000 in specie for General Morales, who was fitting out an expedition at that place, destination unknown. It is also mentioned that 4,000 troops had arrived at Principe on their way to join the expedition at Santiago. Bees. A premium was given at our last agricultural fair to Mr. Joseph K. Wood of New Cornwall, Orange County, for some handsome specimens of honey, which he exhibited. And on the third last, we published a letter from him to the Agricultural Society, in which he gives several interesting particulars as to the improved method of management which he had adopted in relation to his bees. And in particular states that <clears throat> Quote, for the last seven years, I have not intentionally destroyed a single bee. Unquote. We were desirous at the time to ascertain how he contrived to obtain the honey and avoid the usual practice of killing the insects, but this information he declined giving. We now perceive by the Minerva of this morning that the following easy method of taking the honey without destroying the bees is generally practiced in France. 
In the dusk of the evening, when the bees are quietly lodged, approach the hive and turn it gently over. Having steadily placed it in a small pit, previously dug to receive it with its bottom upwards, cover it with a clean new hive, which has been properly prepared with a few sticks across the inside of it and rubbed with aromatic herbs. Then, having carefully adjusted the mouth of each hive to the other so that no aperture remained between them, take a small stick and beat gently round the sides of the lower hive for about 10 minutes, in which time the bees will leave their cells in the old hive, ascend, and adhere to the new one. Then gently lift the upper hive with all its little tenants and place it on the stand from which the other was taken. This should be done sometime in the week preceding midsummer day that the bees may have time before the summer flowers are faded to lay in a new stock of honey, which they will not fail to do for their subsistence through the winter. We know not to whom we are indebted for the following description of the unwearied patron of children that homely but delightful personification of parental kindness, Santa Claus. His costume and his equipage as he goes about visiting the firesides of this happy land laden with Christmas bounties, but from whomsoever it may have come, we give thanks for it. There is, to our apprehension, a spirit of cordial goodness in it, a playfulness of fancy, and a benevolent alacrity to enter into the feelings and promote the simple pleasures of children, which are altogether charming. We hope our little patrons, both lads and lasses, will accept it as proof of our unfeigned goodwill toward them, as a token of our warmest wish that they may have many a Merry Christmas, that they may long retain their beautiful relish for those unbought homebred joys which derive their flavor from filial piety and fraternal love and which they may be assured are the least alloyed that time can furnish them, and that they may never part with that simplicity of character which is their own fairest ornament, and for the sake of which they have been pronounced by authority which none can gainsay the types of such as shall inherit the kingdom of heaven. For the Sentinel. Account of a visit from St. Nicholas. <clears throat> was the night before Christmas when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. And Mama in her kerchief and I in my cap had just settled our brains for a long winter's nap when out on the lawn there rose such a clatter I sprang from my bed to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutter and threw up the sash. The moon on the breast of the new-fallen snow gave a luster of midday to objects below, when what to my wondering eye should appear but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer with a little old driver so lively and quick. I knew in a moment it must be St. Nick. More rapid than eagles his courses they came. And he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen, on Comet, on Cupid, on Dunder and Blitzen, to the top of the fort, to the top of the wall. Now dash away, dash away, dash away all. So up to the housetop his quarter they flew with a sleigh full of toys and St. Nicholas too. And then in a twinkling I heard on the roof 
the prancing and pawing of each little hoof as I drew in my head and was turning around. Down the chimney, St. Nicholas came with a bound. He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of toys he had slung on his back, and he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. His eyes, how they twinkled, his dimples, how merry, his cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry, his droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow, and the beard on his chin was as white as snow, the stump of a pipe he held tight in his teeth, and the smoke it encircled his head like a wreath. He had a broad face and a little round belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. He was chubby and plump and a right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know that I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work and filled all the stockings, then turned with a jerk, and laying his finger aside of his nose, giving a nod, up the chimney he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle, and away they all flew like the down of a thistle. But I heard him exclaim as he drove out of sight, Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good night. Eagle Hotel, William Selleck, informs his friends and the public that he has purchased the well-known Stand, situated in the village of Waterford, formerly occupied by Richard Morris, which he has thoroughly refitted, furnished, and stocked in a superior style, and is now opened for the reception of company. From its locality and elegant accommodations, and by constantly keeping his table supplied with the choicest delicacies of the season, and his bar inferior to none, he flatters himself to be able to render the above establishment an agreeable resort for parties of pleasure as well as for the public generally. Having employed faithful and experienced servants who will spare no pains to please together with his own indefatigable exertions to promote the comfort and convenience of his guest, he hopes to merit a share of public patronage. Few genteel boarders may be accommodated. Masonic diplomas just received and for sale at the Troy Bookstore by William S. Parker. Masonic diplomas for the Royal Arch, Mark Master, and Master Mason are on parchment elegantly engraved. Skip it to the Kelsey body by the Edison Cortez. Jingle 